0: it's great, so we don't have to wake up with shoulder pain. On top of that, it's been really fun for me to see him have so much success because it's been selling like crazy. Anyways, if you're a side sleeper, I highly recommend going to PillowCube.com and getting one for yourself.
1: Awesome! Like you, you never like micromanage me. You let me do whatever I want, and and you know, then they contrasted their their style, and they were like, you know. I think I'm kind of in the middle of micromanaging and then just not managing at all like you, you know? And I was like, okay. But I I said, I said, well, let me, let me help you understand. Like the reason why you have so much autonomy is because you've earned my trust. And I said, if, if you talk to somebody else that reports to me, they might say, Johnny's the biggest micromanager ever. And it's because...
0: episode number 40. So, you know, 500 and something episodes ago. It's had some pretty great success uh, since then. And uh, hopefully he's going to tell us about it today. Johnny, thanks for coming back on.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: So tell us, uh, yeah, tell us for people who who weren't listening 500 episodes ago, tell them about Homie and then let's talk about the progress.
1: Yeah, we started Homey uh, a little over five years ago, and it's a, a real estate software company. We have realtors for anybody looking to buy a home, sell a home. We've become a mortgage company, so we also help you do the loan. That's new from the last time you and I met. We now have a title company, so we do all the closings. We're a home insurance company. So I think I had the vision when, when I met you, but I didn't have all of these actual businesses and you know, the, the market share of of and, and the product market fit, you know, that, that we have now. So yeah, lots a lot's changed, but we save we save consumers thousands of dollars per transaction. So our goal's been to disrupt this industry, just to make it more transparent, simpler, and really more accessible for people to be able to buy and sell homes.
0: Yeah. So and you'd previously built trot up to like a hundred million before you left there, right?
1: Yeah, and it's still going strong. I don't know the the current numbers. I you know I I moved on from Intrado about five years ago. But yeah, it's I still have a ton of
0: friends. They're loving it there, and and business is going well. I know we talked about this a little bit five years ago, but but what made you want to do this? You you know you'd already been successful. You could you could rest on your laurels if you wanted to.
1: Yeah, I I, I don't I don't think any of us are meant to rest on our laurels. You know I think. Every one of us, you know, we're creators, we're movers, we want to continue to build and grow no matter whatever, you know, exits you have of whatever other businesses you've created. But yeah, Homie is a business that deserves to be around it. It deserves to be in every market like consumers need choice. They need options and they haven't had choice. The 6% commission has stayed in place for way too long. And so, you know, I'm absolutely passionate about what we're doing, and you know, I, it's it's coming together. So, yeah, it's there. There's just a, I think, a driving force to make the world a better place and provide a product that that does well for consumers and, you know, financially makes sense for us as a company.
0: So, for people not familiar, can you explain the structure? What what's the difference of your traditional traditional real estate broker to buy a house versus coming to you?
1: Yeah. So when you typically hire an agent to sell a home, you typically pay around 6%. And so 6% on a $300,000 home, which I don't think there are $300,000 homes anywhere in America today. You know, It feels like the price has gone up so much. But using that math, that's $18,000 that you would pay somebody to help you sell a home. And right now, I mean, we're here in Utah, but we're also in Arizona. We're in Nevada. We're in Colorado, Idaho. So we've expanded to several states. But average days on market is like six days right now. And so in six days, we've just never thought it makes sense to give up $18,000. And again, prices of homes have increased. They've increased. Actually, since you and I met, they've increased 53%. I just did the math on what five years ago looked like. So if you hire a traditional agent, they got, they're got they getting a 53% raise to sell the same home that they would have sold five years ago for eighteen grand. they are now getting about, you know, what is that? It's about 20, 28 grand, you know? So it's, that's a big jump, but it's the same home. It doesn't take any more work. If, 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 anything right now with homes sitting on the market for six days, it's, it's really easy to sell. There's a million offers per home. So we've eliminated those fees and the way that we make money as a company, we do charge a, a low flat fee per home that we sell, but You know, we help people get loans and we make a little bit of money off the loans. We help people close at title. We make a little money there. We're a home insurance company. So the one-stop shop has allowed us to lower the fee for realtors and just be really transparent and clear on exactly what you're going to pay, why you're paying it. And and since you and I met too, we've done plenty of research and, and studies and the data shows that historically we've sold homes for more money and faster, all for a lower fee. So that's where I was saying, like, man, this business deserves to exist in all 50 states worldwide, you know, just to lower commissions and make it more affordable, like I said, for consumers.
0: Well, I think about this a lot, you know, A, in Utah, you guys have done an amazing job on branding. And I really want to talk about billboard strategy because so many people write off billboards and you guys have have really turned it into an art form, at least here. So, you know, let's say this. I'm going to sell a half million dollar house, traditionally pay my 6%, Right versus uh, versus if I was going to go with you guys, what's what's an approximate price I'm paying instead of the you know thirty thousand dollars? Yeah, about twenty five hundred dollars. Twenty five hundred dollars
1: versus thirty thousand dollars. So it's it's insane. Again, in your home, a five hundred thousand dollar home would sell in about six days, and you know twenty five hundred dollars is, is is enough for us because we know we're going to make money again on the closing, the loan, title, like all these other areas. So it's it's a big, big chunk of change that you get to keep. And most, most Americans make their wealth through home ownership. So, you know, instead of you giving away $30,000, you know, you get to keep what 26,
0: 26 grand of that, you know, you, I don't know, you can go buy a new car. <laughs> right? Well, you know, what I think is pretty inspirational about your success is like that you got to the point where the old people are so threatened by you they've tried these dirty tricks and they've they've tried to slander you which i'm sure is no fun but is also like a little bit of a sign of like man even like the entrenched old guard realize that that things are changing towards us
1: yeah they don't recognize that yeah their bad behavior toward us is just it's fear-based and it's inevitable like You know, if, if we don't do this, if we don't change this industry, somebody else is going to, it's inevitable. Like prices come down, you can't keep this 6% real estate fee fixed forever, you know, and, and tech there, there's already so much tech that exists. Everybody that goes to buy a home, like 90% of the work's already done by the consumer. You know, everybody finds their own homes online that, that didn't always be used to be the case. And, and realtors had to work a lot harder when tech didn't exist. But yeah, that that backlash that we've received has actually uh, kept things really interesting for us. It's It's been a motivator to continue to push forward, but it's also helped, you know, to a degree to market our company. Like, you know, if we put up a billboard or, you know, one of, you know, another member of our association will put up a billboard against us across the highway and they don't recognize that act- that actually benefits us and draws more attention to what we're doing. So... So, yeah, it's been really interesting to watch that happen and and be part of that.
0: Yeah. You know, I think about like the last few years and, you know, and I've had a little contact. We always kept talking about getting together, having our families do a barbecue or something. but We haven't really hung out. And yet I hear about you quite a bit. And I want to talk to you about leadership. You have you have kind of been found out. OK, you have a lot of people that think highly of you that feel like you're considerate, that you're patient, you know, things that often really driven CEOs don't always have associated with them. And, you know, when you're not on stage, when you're not on an interview, there's a lot of people who've had really positive experiences. I'm interested in, I'm sure that's intentionally cultivated. I'm interested in, in how you think that through.
1: Yeah, I I think, I think there's always, there's always a battle with ego. Constantly, and that and, and ego stems from insecurity. And there's the insecurity of feeling like you're better than, you're smarter than, you're cooler than, you're richer than, whatever. And then there's the insecurity on the flip side of I'm not enough. You know, or, or man, if I could only raise as much money as that CEO, or if I could do this that that person, you know, if I could have that car or that house, or you know, it, it all derives from insecurity. And in the middle of both of those areas is humility. And it's actually true confidence. And I have studied these principles that are mental fitness, mental health principles. And I've really worked on myself. So I, I've gone, you know, I've, I've gone back and forth on this pendulum of of thinking I'm better than to thinking I'm less than. And as I've as I've made it a, a deliberate focus and recognize the thoughts that are going through my head, you know, like why do I care so much about what they think? Like what's going on? What's my fear? is I've analyzed that root fear, it's brought me back to humility. And it's a hard place to stay, you know like I don't I don't think I ever actually stay in humility. But I think because it's a conscious choice, I I don't bounce as far back and forth between my insecurities. You know that that ego versus you know condescending or not condescending, but I what you know the, the, the insecure portion on the letter less than the like I, I don't bounce as far. I stay closer to, I think confidence and humility. On, on occasion, I'll, I'll get out of hand and, and I have a really good support group around me that helped to rein me back, back to humility. My wife is one of my greatest anchors of support. Like she is, she's very grounded and I help her too. Like now that I understand these principles, it's just, yeah, I, I think that has been helpful to where I check myself. And, and one of our values at Homie is check yourself. And the underlying value of that is humility. So I, I have that focus outside of work and inside of work. And I think that's been deliberate and it's been so beneficial to to again, like I said, mental fitness, but yeah, I'm I'm less stressed, I'm less anxious, I, I'm less overwhelmed recognizing that I have choice, I have power to change my thoughts and reframe my thoughts and to ask the right questions. But all of those compliments you just shared, thank you. And you know, that that's very kind. I'm I'm grateful that there's that reputation. I, I hope not to to let people down that, that may be putting me on a pedestal that I don't deserve. Too funny.
0: Well, are there any books or programs or anything that you would recommend for people who want to study that more?
1: Yeah, there, there's a program that I've really come to love. It's called Connections Classroom. And I'm not sure if I talked to you ever about it, but connectionsclassroom.com. This lady, Jody Hildebrandt, she was a therapist for decades and she's created a curriculum that is, I I think, taking these principles and just simplified it to where all of us struggle. All of us have stresses. All of us, you know, you don't have to have some mental breakdown or think you need to check yourself into some institution. I think that's where the stigma comes from. But the truth is like, we all should be doing pushups. We all should be doing sit-ups and we should all be working on our mind and our thoughts of what, and questioning constantly, like, why do I react the way that I do? Why did I get defensive? you know, why was I offended by what that person said, you know, and, and you can analyze it and really understand, wow, I have some deep seated fears. And yeah, she has like 115 free podcasts that people can listen to as well. But it's my wife and I've really, uh, really learned these principles. And, you know, we've listened to some of the podcasts, uh, podcasts and discussed them on date, date night. So we've kind of geeked out on the on that whole topic.
0: It's a fascinating subject. Have you ever read any books from the Arbinger Institute? Like, um, oh, yeah, leadership and oh, it's right. It's su- it sounds yep. like it's got some similarities. So many similarities. I'm a big fan of them, too. Yeah. I don't know if you know this. Do you know that's why I moved to Utah to work for them? No, I didn't know that. Or
1: right. yeah, I don't remember that. It-
0: yeah, I I had, you know, so I left mergers and acquisitions in California for City, went back home to Canada, ran a private equity fund and, you know, had all sorts of failings that first time CEOs have. and And a bunch of them had to do with a bunch of the subjects you're talking about. And those Arbinger guys, like it was just the biggest wake up call, look in the mirror, my blind spots and insecurities and stuff. And it just changed my life so much that I decided like I decided to come down and work for him for a couple of years and try to like see if I could live it more. You know, it just really changed my changed my work life, changed my home life. It's been like one of the most rewarding things I've I've been a part of, actually.
1: Yeah, I think these principles should be taught to children. And, And my wife and I, we are we're teaching them just nonstop so that they learn these. And I wished I would have learned them early on. I wouldn't have had so many insecurities in high school. Well, I may have had those insecurities, but I would have been able to recognize them quicker and, and to change my perception. I, I've thought a lot about basketball. Like I played basketball, labeled myself as a starter on the basketball team. And I was better than if I was a starter. If I was coming off the bench, I was less than, you know, and I would just bounce back and forth there. And I, I put so much meaning on having a good game. And if I had a good game, then I'm like, ah, oh, today's amazing. But it was because like my self worth was tied to me having a good basketball game, and I wasn't grounded in anything but the 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 thought that my whole persona is because I'm a basketball player. And in business, it's been the same. Like with Homie, if our business is going well and I, and, and we have a lot of zeros in our bank account and you know market share, I've been like, oh, I'm a good CEO, you know. But when we've when we've had struggles. I've then told myself, I suck. I'm, I'm a terrible CEO. And we, you know, we had a time where I, I had trouble raising funds and growing the company. We were flat year over year. And I was in a dark place because of where, what I was telling myself, the stories that I was telling myself and, and they weren't true. And I just, I had to come to recognize like, if the company fails, what does that mean? You know, did I not try my hardest? Absolutely. I did. You know, and did I give it my all? Yes, I did. And I can feel good about that and know that I I am not the CEO of Homie. That's my job. That's my profession. That's not who I am. And I was putting way too much meaning on that. And again, same thing I did in high school. And yeah, it, it's been a cycle until I've been able to stop it recently. And now now I'm trying to teach my kids so that they don't go down that same path. <laughs>
0: You know, I appreciate you bringing this up. This is something I've struggled with so much. I find not too many people are in a in a good place to discuss it because I think there's a lot of self-blame that can happen. And, and there's a lot of like, you know, we all have this like cardboard cutout version of ourselves we wish other people believed in, you know? And so bringing up previous mistakes doesn't often contribute to that, right? But like, so this is a huge problem for me moving to Utah. You know, I'd been this like, you know, at the number one mid-market M&A firm in the world in Southern California, I come to Canada and I'm like, I'm one of the only guys able to raise money in 2008. I raised like $27 million for my first time fund when like major shops can't raise any money. You know what I mean? And like, I'm like a big fish in this little pond of like the, like the, the young entrepreneur crowd in Calgary. Like I'm, I'm like, I get treated like I'm a big deal or something. Right. We have all sorts of 2008 meltdown issues later. Right. And, and I come to Utah. Nobody has any idea who I am. I start hanging out with the entrepreneur community and nobody knows who I am. I have no reputation. I don't get invited to the cool kid parties. I don't get invited to the cool kid events. And it was like, it was awkward sometimes when sometimes when certain people would talk down to me and it'd be like, Oh, the l- last company I ran was 10 times the size of yours, you know, but like, what are you going to say that? You know? And then, and then like, it was like, as time went on, I started wondering, like, well, were my previous successes a fluke? You know, like, I don't have them right now. So was that just like, you know, like, do I do I not have these skills that I thought I had? And like, all of the like self worth wrapped up in the title. You know what I mean? Because I'm like, I'm like handing out a, a business card as like a business consultant, not quite the title of like founder and CEO of of a growth capital fund, right? And it like really messed with me for years.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and this is where, I mean, I've, I've been in that same place and I've come to recognize like it didn't mess with me. I messed with me. Yeah, I was choosing those thoughts. I was choosing to put meaning on my most recent fundraiser or my last one. And I have to, I can't, I can't raise money and do a flat round and have the same valuation I had two years ago. Like, what would that mean about me? That would mean I'm a failure. You know, like that, those are all my, that's my choice to think that way and, and to be in that type of a distorted mindset. And yeah, like this is where I've, I've learned to take responsibility for my thoughts and, and reframe them into truth and, and stay grounded and say, look, yeah, the cool kid parties, like, you know is it, is it just a party? Is it a get together? Like even labeling it a cool kid party, like there's meaning, there's meaning behind getting invited. And if you don't, what does that mean about you? You know, you're immediately putting meaning that if I'm not, if there's a cool kid party and I'm not at it, then that means I'm not a cool kid, you really? know, but like none of that's true and none of that matters. And, and it's all stupid. You know what I mean? But like you have to recognize like, why, why am I, why do I even care to be invited? But I, I'm right there with you, and and that that's 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 that daily battle that I'm talking about of trying to stay ground, it's trying to stay humble, because it's going back and forth, and it's I'm less than on the less than side, and I want to be on the right then with all those cool kids. I want to be better than everybody else, you know, but I'm not, you know, and 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 you know, I'm I'm denigrating right now. I'm less than when I do get that invite, like yeah, I've arrived and I'm better. But instead of just recognizing, like either way, either way, it doesn't matter. Yeah, the, the truth is. I'm, I'm whole, I'm happy. I have, you know, I, I, am my own, I'm my own person and I don't have to have those things to find peace or happiness or joy. Like it's, it's, it takes effort though. That's where like, I've loved a a local company called room here that I've, I've been part of. They've rebranded, you know, they've been trying to rebrand mental health and mental fitness just to point out, like, you got to do work, you know, you got to sweat, you got to, you know, you got to sweat every day and actually put in work, to control your thoughts and recognize where you might be off.
0: You know, I think one of the things that's been the most helpful for me there, like, again, that, that Arbinger stuff and like going back to the roots, Viktor Frankl and uh, Martin Buber and some of the people where they're, you know, a lot of C.S. Lewis stuff, their stuff uh, stands on the shoulders of and like labeling and realizing like labeling myself or others is very rarely helpful. <laughs> you know, almost never. Right. But the thing that I feel like, uh, and I'd be interested if you've had any experience with this stuff, but kind of like the second half that's been the most helpful for me is, do you know, uh, Austin Kleon, a uh, guy from Texas, he wrote, he wrote all those creativity mm-hmm. books, like, steal like an artist or mm-hmm. show your work. Anyways, he's amazing. I don't think so. He says like, oh, you know, find out who you like and then go do their genealogy and find out where their ideas came from, right? And I was reading Good to Great, as maybe, I don't know, six, seven years ago. And I'm reading about the Stockdale paradox. Do you remember that in the, in good to great, the guy who is like in prison camp and he survived it. Oh yeah. Right. And they're like, gotcha. you know, how'd you get out? And he's like, well, I always knew I'd get out, but I just didn't claim that I knew it was going to happen by Christmas, you know, kind of thing. Anyways, ends up that. So I started researching that guy ends up. He had studied stoicism at Stanford for a couple of years, right before he deployed to Vietnam and got shot down and was, you know, the most senior, military personnel in, in prison camps over there, tortured, put in solitary confinement, all this stuff. And he he has these incredible books, like Thoughts of a Philosophical Fighter Pilot and stuff about how he took these, you know, these teachings from 2,500 years ago from Epictetus or Marcus Aurelius, whatever, and implemented them when he's actually being tortured. And when he needs to like support the other guys who have so much shame about breaking under torture and, you know, stuff like this, right? It's just the most fascinating stuff. And then over the next handful of years, that stuff's actually become popular. There's a lot of stuff about stoicism around, you know, probably my favorite book in the last five years is that Ryan Holiday book, uh, The Obstacle is the Way. Do you know that one?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Like all these people's experience, like it's, it's amazing, especially those that have been in these camps, you know, that have been tortured, you know, and come out of it recognizing that nobody can control my mind they can they can beat my body they can do all this but they can't take my mind from me and that's yeah it's
0: powerful well and for me I'm like kind of and this is when you were saying I was like man those are such great like stoic things you're just saying about the like I look at how much I have let image and comparison make my life worse and it's like somewhat disappointing to later realize that that was my choice to buy into that. And, and there is a huge temptation for all humans. And depending on your personality and temperaments, you maybe have more, more of a temptation for it or not. I think being a real people oriented person, maybe there can be more of a temptation than some task oriented folks. Right. So I definitely know those are big temptations for me, but to later realize like just how much of that pain and suffering was self inflicted by, by choosing to buy in, I am my job title. I am my accomplishments. I am my value. Uh, like, you know, you go to like a big tech conference here, like, you know, the the Silicon Slopes event, right? And depending on who wants to talk to you or who's too busy to talk to you, that my my self-worth will go up or down based on that. Like, those are things that I have, those are things that I've accepted that literally just choosing to acknowledge it and think differently about it, I could I could turn off any negative feelings from that, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, like- there is power in choice. Like we have agency. And to me, that's like one of the greatest gifts of this life is to be able to choose our thoughts. And, and we have power. We have choice over our thoughts. And I never, I never understood that. And, and I did. I labeled. And I, I feel like that's like the, the family history thing that you just brought up, too. Like analyzing, analyzing our parents, analyzing our grandparents. And then analyzing my, what I'm doing to my kids, like I'm passing on the same insecurities by labeling my kids, you know, and, and this is where my wife and I, we've, we've really tried to be deliberate in how we compliment our kids. So like my little boy, we have, we have a late night with every one of our kids. So when everyone else goes to bed, there's one kid that gets to stay up and they get to stay up with me and mom. They get to choose the games they, they want to do. Well, well, my wife couldn't join me the other day. And my little boy said, Hey, I'd like to work out with you. And I said, you want to lift weights or do you want to, you know, you want to shoot some hoops? What do you want to do? And he's like, yeah, I want to play basketball. So I did all these drills with him and I was tempted to say, man, you are athletic. You are a good basketball player. And instead I complimented his work ethic (laughs) and I'm like, man, you're really focused. That's impressive. You know, I love how, I love how much, how, how much, how much you're sweating right now. Like I can tell you're really putting in effort. That's impressive. And like, it's it's not complimenting that one thing that that they could get wrapped up in and, and build a whole, you know, put all their self-worth on basketball or on athletics. But hard work, determination, focus, those are things that are them. That truly is them. And as I compliment those pieces, that's where they're going to be confident. And confidence is humility, right? It's not like, Overconfidence is arrogance. If you don't have any confidence, that's another form of insecurity. But like I'm, I'm trying to teach my kids to have confidence in the things they can control, and it's it it takes focus. It's so easy to be lazy and just throw out a little compliment that I know was thrown at me, and then I took that compliment and ran with it,
0: and that's where my self worth was. Do you, know? so. <laughs> you ever read the Carol Dweck Great. book Mindset? Yes, where she talks about that complimenting effort and stuff. It's funny. I'm just smiling as you say that because of how many times I have to edit myself and catch myself on the same thing. And sometimes I realize afterwards, I'm like, dang it, that's not, that probably wasn't the most helpful compliment, but, but I find the same thing with staff, right? Like, you know, when you're the big cheese, there's a lot of looking for approval and there's obviously political or, or career survival issues of having the boss like you and all this kind of stuff. Right. And how often do we label staff or how often do we not separate like what happened at that event? You know, they tried this, this was the result and we associate them with that result. Maybe like how how tempted am I to blame a staff member instead of the system that I architected that they're executing? You know, things like that, right?
1: Yeah, and and I I think of all the labels, you know, just the job positions are all labels, you know. Like you are a salesman, and and I've had I've had guys that I've worked with that they don't want to be in sales anymore, and it's like, what do you mean you don't want to be in sales anymore? You're a sales guy, you know. And it's like, oh, you want to go into this or that? It's like, no, no, no. You know, like we we just judge because of that label too, and we're so much more than our job title. We're so much so beyond that. And and you mentioned like caring about what your boss thinks, like trying to impress them. Like, again, I, I, that's been a, that's been a hard one for me going the other direction. Right. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But for me, like at company meetings, I've wanted to stand up in front of the company and, and just encourage them and like, you know, drive them into battle and have the, you know, wonderful speech in the company meeting to motivate everybody. And man, the pain that I have gone through in trying to prepare and look the part, it's been exhausting. And the truth is I can't control what anybody thinks. It's the same thing like you're trying to impress your boss and it's like, you can't control that. Like, and 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 not that you should give up like trying, I mean, you should give up trying to control for sure, but you, you need to focus on you. And that's what I stood in front of my company. I said, guys, I've been faking most of these meetings. You know, like I've been so polished, so you know, and I said this in front of everybody and it was, it was kind of a wake up call for me and I was really vulnerable and I just shared, look, I'm done. I'm done acting. I'm done trying to, you know, be whatever I think you want me to be. And I'm just going to be me. And here's the stats from our company. We're doing well. This is going great. Any questions, you know, and, and I, everyone like, everyone like applauded and we're like, yes. We don't want you to be controlled. We don't want you to be fake. We want you to be real. Be real with us. Be transparent. And and I think when you get to that point, people naturally like you cuz you're not fake anymore. And I think that's where if you're trying to control your perception with your boss, you're you're trying, you know, you're you're it's
0: fake. It's control. And well, you you cannot control anybody. I think about it that same direction of like, you know, a sticker, a label, you know, I want, I wanted the patch, just the nice boss. Do you know what I mean? And sometimes I'm like not doing what's fair for the company and all their coworkers, because then this person might rip off my label as just the nice boss. If I have, you know, if I have the hard talk, right. And, and that like the easy wrong thing versus the hard right thing, like letting stuff slide. I mean, how many of us, we all get taught, you know, date for a long time before you get married, hire slowly, fire quickly. And then we base you know, as far as my poll of CEOs, we all do the opposite. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and like, for me, like I think about how many times I have made other staff suffer when it's clear this person is just not a good fit for the company, like they're maybe not a skill set fit, maybe it's not a uh, mindset fit, whatever it is, and like my own desire to be just the nice boss and, and be seen as giving them the second chance and And, and plus I, I want to avoid conflict. I don't like conflict, you know? And so like these wimping out things instead of like taking ultimate responsibility, you know, it, it goes that other direction sometimes.
1: Yeah. I think responsibility is key. And, and to me, yeah. Thinking of how to be that type of manager, like every single human is different. We all want to group each other together in whatever category, but every human's different. every one of us has had different experiences different perceptions and so I, I remember somebody say, saying like Johnny, you know like one of my reports saying Johnny you're, you're a really nice boss like you you never like micromanage me you let me do whatever I want and and you know then they contrasted their their style they're like you know I think I'm kind of in the middle of micromanaging and then just not managing at all like you, you know? And I was like, okay, but I, I said, I said, well, l- l- let me, let me help you understand. Like the reason why you have so much autonomy is because you've earned my trust. And I said, if, if you talk to somebody else that reports to me, they might say, Johnny's the biggest micromanager ever. And it's because they haven't earned my trust. I need to be in there with them. And I need to be like, look, you haven't learned it yet. You know? So I, 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 yeah, I haven't painted a broad brush on my management style but it's been interesting to see to see that dynamic and it's like no everybody's unique and i want to create an environment of safety and trust but trust is earned over time and until then there might there might need to be some micromanagement and guidance and expectations set and then once things start going well it's like hey you got it and guess what autonomy is what you now have you know and because the the guy that was reporting to me he just thought yeah johnny just doesn't manage and i'm like no You're actually just a rock star and I don't need to worry about you whatsoever. It is, it's like the labels that you're this, you're that, this is what you do. But it's, yeah, every human is unique. I love it.
0: Well, I want to go a little bit of a different direction. So can you give us some stats? How big are you guys now, like staff or how much you've raised or just give people a sense of, of, you know, what the last five years has produced? Yeah, we're we're about almost four
1: hundred employees, I think three seventy something, but we'll we'll be at four hundred in the next couple of weeks. We're hiring like crazy. We've raised about fifty million to date. We we have a huge round that will more than double that here, I think, in the next in the next month. We'll use that to again grow and hire more intelligent people, continue to, you know, hire more realtors, more loan officers, and and grow our business. And yeah, we're we're now about seven and a half percent market share in Utah. We're gaining market share in Arizona, Nevada. We just opened up Colorado and Idaho, so we're brand new there. But with this new raise, we'll probably open up the state of Texas, which is five new markets. It's Dallas, Fort Worth, Houston, San Antonio, Austin. And those five markets are bigger than the five markets we're currently in. So it's it's going to be really challenging for us. And with every new raise, every new amount of money, like we have more pressure to execute, more accountability, more responsibility. So, you know, I look forward to it and it's going to be challenging. So that's, I don't know, hopefully those stats help.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, there's, there's so many people that we know in common who are working really hard on their businesses and are not getting the kind of results you're getting. What do you think you're doing differently? What do you, what do you attribute your success to that maybe you don't see everywhere else? Nothing. In terms of zeros in our bank account, in terms of market share,
1: nothing. Like I, I talk to people who I think are doing everything right. And, and timing may just be off, but I feel like timing, like the stars have aligned for us to launch, homie, when we have, there's been people that have tried to do what we've done and they failed. And a lot of companies have failed. And I think timing's different for us now. And, you know, I I, I can't attribute it to anything that I'm doing better or, or different. I think for me, I, again, going back to our previous conversations is where is my head? Where's my head at if the company starts to tank? Like. Am I gonna start judging the heck out of myself and, and beating myself up? And I know going forward, I'm not going to do that. I'm I'm in a I've been doing these mental push-ups so that if something like that were to occur, I can analyze it and check myself and get back into a good mental state. But yeah, I, I just I don't know. If if you're not having the success that that Homie is having or that whatever other company that just raised a bunch of money is having. It's the comparison that kills the joy of what you're doing, kills the creating of what you're doing. Like, yeah, y- you don't have to raise 50 million. You don't have to do those things to have a wonderful life, you know? And it- it's that comparison, I think, that is, is the damaging piece. It's, it's the dangerous piece that-, that I would counsel other people just to knock that off. Yeah. And, and keep going.
0: L- let me ask a, a different question then. When you think about the principles, you know, for, for folks who are trying to build a high growth, large company, when you think about the principles that have been the most helpful that you don't necessarily see everyone else executing, what are some of those principles? Hire
1: smarter people than you. And I th- that takes us back to the, the comment on humility. Like if, if you think you're better than, if you're the smartest person in the room and you look around and you believe that about yourself, I seriously doubt you're going to really build a scalable company that that, that's going to take over the world like you know or, or or have the success you're hoping to have or if you're on you know the other side you're 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 denigrating thinking man i'm an idiot i'm never going to do this if you're telling yourself that you're going to surround yourself with those type of people so i i think if you can reach out and struggle to try to stay as centered as possible in humility and hire people that you know are smarter than you in certain areas have different talents, not better than you, you know, but in certain areas, people are smarter than me in marketing or development, you know, and that doesn't mean I'm less than as a human, but in that one area of study, I I can be honest. And so I have hired really, really good people that there is no way I would be where I am and the company would be where we are without giving up that, that, you know, delegating those responsibilities to somebody that I that I trust, you know, and that I give turn that over to. So to me, that's, that's one of the keys is, and that's why it's one of our core values is humility. Like it's actually so beneficial in so many areas that you can recognize, okay, here's my here are my weaknesses and here are my strengths. And some of these strengths aren't so strong, but I can at least focus on that and hire somebody to plug in where, where I'm weak. And you have to have an ounce of humility to admit where you're weak and then to plug those holes. And I've seen a lot of people that are like, you know, we'll pound their chest and be like, I, I'm just going to crush my competition. You know, I, I hope they die. And, you know, I wake up every morning wanting to see them struggle. And it's like, ugh, that's the most, those are arrogant answers. And it's like, man, I, I wouldn't want to be on your executive team because you're the smartest person in the room. You know, when, when I hear that, that level of, of arrogance and it's, it's going to be hard to attract people. You might find other arrogant people that you're attracting, but arrogance is just insecurity. You know, it's, it's just the other level of insecurity. So <laughs> That's, that's absolutely what I would uh, counsel other people to focus on. And, and if you are there, if you're like, wow, I am kind of an arrogant jerk, we'll start working on it, you know, start making some changes, get, get some people that'll be honest with you and check you and tell you, Hey, like what you said in that room, like, do you recognize what you said and how that was, you know, how that came across to everybody? And, you know, people, people in that position typically have, you know, just others that compliment them nonstop and don't call them out. Don't hold them accountable. Don't um, hold them responsible for what they say, what they do. And then, yeah, life, life takes a, a, a bad, goes a bad direction at that point.
0: Yeah, no kidding. Well, I know we're winding down here. Question that's probably become my my favorite question this year is what's one of the best pieces of advice you ever received?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I. I'm so caught up in this mental fitness stuff. I have been geeking out on it, but I think surrender is is the best advice that I've been given. Like, just surrender. Surrender what you can't control, which is almost everything. All you can control are your own thoughts, feelings, and actions. That's it. And so I've had to surrender so much control, perceived control. So yeah, that advice is really I. Uh, gone well for me where like yeah if if we have a bad month or a bad quarter i i can't control that like i can do everything possible and at the end of the day we might have a bad quarter we might have a bad month and it doesn't mean anything and you have to surrender and just keep working and 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 make changes and and plan for what's happening you know next quarter next month and keep going
0: i love it well thanks for doing this it's been fun to have you back on
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's been so good. So good chatting with you and, and I need, I need a bunch of those book recommendations you shared too. And some of the ones that I had read before I I want to go back to as as you brought these up, but yeah, I I know you're a, you're a lover of books. I I remember that from the first time we we talked too. So we, I, I need a text list of, of those that you've been checking out.
0: Deal. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Bye everyone.